0: and welcome to the season of creation. Since this past year or so was spent largely inside our homes, we wanted to place a viewfinder on things a little more local from the species like you saw this morning in the region to expanding who our neighbors are. But first, a little good news. The hill country landscape, just north of San Antonio, has been a critical conservation priority for decades, and I know many of us have visited the Guadalupe State River Park and the adjacent um, Honey Creek State Natural Area. This area of Central Texas, on the edge of the Edwards Plateau, is marked by crystal waters and native vegetation, which provides habitat for a number of endemic species, and like the endangered golden cheek warbler. This ecosystem also helps to ensure healthy flows into the Guadalupe River, which supplies Canyon Lake and many residents drinking water. But recently, an adjacent piece of property to the Honey Creek State Natural Area was poised for the development of a 1600 home subdivision that would threaten the Honey Creek Cave, the longest cave system in Texas. However, Texas Nature Conservancy, Led by our own Suzanne Scott, with other partners such as Texas Parks and Wildlife, are in the process of securing 515 of those acres of the property for preservation. And we're able to secure a conservation easement on an additional 620 acres of ad- adjacent property. Please lend your support to these very important efforts and hard work that help protect our nature, our Texas heritage and the hill country that is rapidly disappearing into this cr- incredible growth, um, pace of growth. Thank you. Suzanne. <clears throat> Over the years, one of the most important things that has risen from my relationship with the church, has been opportunities to serve on various mission trips to different areas of the world. Hold please, there it is. But more specifically, three separate mission trips to the rural areas of Nicaragua, all related to water sanitation. We worked side by side with the people of the villages who would benefit from these projects to construct water wells, latrines, and concrete lavenderias for clothes washing. And after, excuse me, that is not the right picture. There we go. After arriving at the villages, introductions are made, and after feeling nervous about language barriers or awkward about our economic differences, Curiosity about each other took over, and we quickly realized that people who don't have access to clean water spend a significant part of their day gathering water. This is typically completed by the women, so that after breakfast, she will gather her laundry in a five-gallon bucket and walk to the nearest stream, typically one and a half to two miles away. There she will see other women and get the local news, the latest gossip, while they wash the laundry and bathe themselves and their children with little to no privacy. When finished, she will collect the wet laundry and fill the five-gallon bucket of water and carrying it home on her head. Once there, the water will be used for drinking, or washing the dishes or whatever is needed, but the water is not clean and likely contaminated from both human and livestock waste. We worked very hard indeed with the families, and everything was performed by hand. We prepared the ground, we set the lumber and cut the rebar. There are no backhoes or cement trucks, so we mixed the cement and shoveled it into place and the gray water filtration system consisted of an eight foot pit that we hand dug and filled it with the largest rocks that we could carry. The children were not shy and worked closely beside us and on breaks we would bring out coloring books or sing to them. It seemed we were always in their gaze. In order to attend school, these children must purchase the required uniform which is a burden on our family who on average earns $1 a day. Most children do not enjoy a secondary education because either their schools are too far or they are needed at home. We also noticed, it seemed, amongst the lush hills, an important part of how people sustain themselves were these gardens of herbs, squash, onions and frijoles, mangoes and melons, bananas. Sometimes a rain tank was spotted, but they largely are dependent on Mother Nature to water these gardens. Last fall, two back-to-back Category 5 hurricanes hit Central America, causing a severe food shortage for rural communities such as these. Working and eating with our Nicaraguan neighbors enriched us greatly. We came into relationship with each other by understanding how their communities live, by understanding what their concerns are and their joys. And it became clear in a way not previously known to us that without readily available water, there is much manual labor in their lives. We celebrated together in our collective accomplishment with a large despedida, which is a farewell celebration. So we brought in a pinata and we made sure all the kids received some candy and they furnished us with lunch and some local entertainment and uh, this was a very sweet moment. We'd really shared a lot and we're wrapped in a very tearful goodbye. There we go. This is the end result. This facility here contains a water well where the white drum is to the left where the children are standing. Uh, to the right, the woman is washing her clothes in the Lavenderia wash basin, and behind her are two closets that she can now bathe herself and her children in privacy. This is within yards of her front door now. You can imagine the improvement in their quality of life. Um, a facility like this would serve 6 to 12 families. One in three people on Earth do not have access to clean water, and 60% do not have access to a flushing toilet. Indeed, in other mission travel to India, it was commonly seen the same thing, women washing clothes in any body of water, a stream, lagoon, the ocean, stagnant water and a stormwater ditch. It was, um, it was the same in other countries that we've traveled. I'm always grateful to return home from travel, but after Nicaragua, re entry into so much here was jarring. Holding on to our shared joy and the sum total of our experience, I was changed. And I had an epiphany regarding my own relationship to water, both spiritually and literally. Once you see someone, come alongside and really see someone, it becomes much harder to dismiss them. Reflecting on our Nicaraguan neighbor's need for water helped me to understand that my relationship to water is absolutely luxurious. Half the world does not enjoy this kind of convenience or health. In the United States, one and a half to two million people do not have access to clean drinking water, and a portion of those live on native lands. Navajo lands are located in the Four Corners area of the Southwest, primarily in New Mexico and Arizona. Navajo, or Diné Nation, is the largest native tribe in the United States. Forty to fifty percent of their residents do not have plum drinking water into their homes. This is a hogan, a traditional structure of the Navajo home. The doorway is always constructed facing east so that one can receive the morning blessing from the sun. Hogans are still used in many Navajo communities. Recently, Catherine and I traveled to southeastern Utah on a project sponsored by Texas Water Mission, a San Antonio nonprofit whose outreach includes Navajo lands. And as it turns out, there are deep ties between the Episcopal Church and the Diné in Utah. And on this property is a decades-old water well that continues to be used today by the Navajo. So that while we were there, there was a steady trickle of people coming in their cars with various empty containers to fill them with water to take home to use. The pandemic hit Navajo lands especially hard, carrying the highest per capita rate of infection for some time. Our mission shifted from our normal water projects to emergency COVID relief. Working with John Hopkins Native American Outreach Program, Texas Water Mission worked to deliver hand washing stations and wellness kits to families without running water. The handwashing stations were created to be a point of sanitation at their residences. This is especially important for multi-generational homes. On this particular trip, in lieu of going to the residence's home, we had a drive-through event, thereby remaining outside and socially distanced. We gathered at the Anneth Chapter House which is a regional governance office with the Navajo lands where we handed out the materials for the wash stations and wellness boxes to many grateful families, indeed. And in visiting with one woman, she had recently moved back to the reservation to the family home uh, with three kids that had no um, electricity or water. During the entirety of our trip, we drove many miles through Navajo lands, exploring the San Juan River, the Combe Ridge, Bear's Ears, and Valley of the Gods. These are all beautiful, powerful, sometimes stark points of interest, but to the Navajo, they are much more. There are four sacred rivers that bound Navajo territory. The Rio Grande River is female to the east. The Little Colorado River is male to the west. The mighty Colorado River is female to the northwest and called life without end. And the San Juan River to the north is an old man, powerful river, moving like a snake through the desert. All of these places and many more are holy to the Navajo people. And by tying supernatural events to the landscapes, the land is constantly alive with the ancient stories of their ancestors and are revered as one might revere the holy lands. The Southwest finds itself in the middle of a 22 year mega drought. The two largest reservoirs, Lake Mead and Lake Powell on the mighty Colorado, are at record low levels, down to one-third of their normal water volume. And yet, for all the engineering done and for all the engineering to come, it is the pulse of water moving across the earth above our heads that keeps our planet alive. No doubt, we see the changing climate challenging communities as well as nonprofit organizations trying to adhere to their missions. The climate crisis is affecting our relationship with water. Too much, not enough. It's affecting our relationship with one another by amplifying the we versus they game of division. But it doesn't have to. James is reminding us today to be impartial to the royal law, to love thy neighbor as ourselves. A mission of the church is understanding how our destruction of creation impacts our neighbors as it does ourselves and as it does the animal kingdom. The church is rediscovering we are intimately connected by Christ to all living things, just as the story of our ancestors tells us God spoke all things into existence, and it was good. The church must find its footing and voice and lead, as it has done many times in the past. This is deeper than recycling and stewardship, although critical. It is recognizing where we are in this time. You see, when I returned from these mission trips, I was humbled. I realized how we live affects our neighbors, and by coming alongside each other, our love and faith can lift us out of apathy. And now, more than ever, we must respect the natural world and have humility before God the Creator, and begin renewed. Amen.